Live from the delectable mountains, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Hello, Tim. Hello, Nick. This is a pleasant spot. We are in a pleasant spot. You know, we've been traveling along this road for a while. We just got past this really bad castle. Oh, yeah. I'm, it was kind of depressing. It was very depressing. Yeah. But this area is much more beautiful. I feel like... You see that over there? Yeah, just beyond those clouds. Yeah. I feel like there's something really glowing. I, I think... I mean, I guess this is a good time to stop, probably, but I'd rather keep going. Yeah, that makes sense, but I think we have to do a podcast first. Yeah, podcast is important. Yeah, it's true. Hello, folks. At least there's no one on the road right now. We're just here. Yeah, that's true. That's nice. So, Hello. Hi. Hey, welcome to Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Um, I'm Nick. And I'm Tim. And we are your hosts for Derailed Trains of Thought, your premier podcast for the creator and the consumer. All about storytelling. Yes. That's what we do here. Nick, I hear uh, you're getting near the end of your school year. Yes, it'll probably be just over by the time this comes out. Right, right. Um, so that's exciting. My first full time, full year. Full year of teaching. Yep. Glad to have it behind you. Yes, yes. Or under, under your boat. We'll uh, under my belt. Uh, yes. I know it was a good year, but it was a uh, learned a lot, things I'll change, improve, etc. But yeah, it's nice to be at the end of it. All the students are very ready to be done. Sure. Kind of everyone's chomping the bit at the moment. Yeah, that makes sense. I uh, hope all you listeners have uh, been enjoying the websites since we announced it last time around. If you have not, go enjoy it. Yes, there's a lot to explore and more little fine-tuning here and there probably still to do. But uh, I, we haven't really been able to focus on a lot because you've been busy. And I had, unfortunately, a, a family event that happened recently. My grandmother passed away who had lived with us. Uh, she moved into our house when I was 12. So so that was a, that was a hard yeah. thing to, to go through. Um, I know you've you've gone through that before mm. too, losing a grandparent. I mean, is that my first grandparent I've lost? But this one was particularly difficult in mm-hmm. some ways. All last week was kind of a blur. We had a viewing and a funeral, and then Janelle and I went down with my folks and one of my sisters to South Carolina, uh, which is where she was buried. And that was just a very strange <laughs> trip, like flying one down one day doing a meeting with some family on the next day and flying back on the third day. Yeah. It's like, that's, I don't mind flying because I don't do it very often, but that tied together without much of an actual trip in between was kind of exhausting. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of glad to get back to normal life. As normal as our strange life is with the podcast Wait. taking us to here, there, and yonder. It keeps us on adventures. That's true. It makes our life very interesting, for yes. sure. Yes. <laughs> well, with that said, uh, I guess we'll head on into story school. So today we are tackling what, Tim? This is your original idea. The title I gave it in our uh, topic thread was Barriers to Art. And in this case, we're talking about barriers to consuming, watching, viewing, reading art. Yes. In particular, um, the more challenging art forms. Long-time listeners may recall back in episode 40, we talked about entertainment gluts. Mm -hmm. And that was all very much about like, how do you manage like the huge influx of art that our culture makes nowadays. 
crazy enough, that episode was recorded. That was our December 2013 episode. And wow. so and th- it is still a problem. Oh, it's more so. Yeah, <laughs> it, more so. If not, yes. There's still lots and lots to choose from. Although, interestingly, when I was re-listening to that episode today, I was like, I don't watch nearly as much TV as I did back then. You know, it's interesting. There's more and more art, but I guess I'm less interested in more of it. <laughs> <laughs> we're interested in less of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's one of the conclusions we came away with in that one is like, it's certainly fine to, as a limiting principle for your art consumption, to focus on the stuff that you're most interested in. But today we're going to take a slightly different tact and talk about, uh, you mentioned uh, we were, well, you had been running a Bible, like a book club Bible study thing it, with. Yeah, kind of a small group with uh, some other uh, creative minded people. About Adorning the Dark by Andrew Peterson. Yes. And you'd mentioned that he makes a point of saying, when you make an effort to in, to ingest some harder, better art for us, not just the popcorn. Yes. We've used that metaphor of food before in various discussions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't want to just be consuming junk food art, even though entertainment is perfectly you know, needed at times. Yeah. You, you want something, a story should be relaxing at times, or I guess if not should be, can be, and that's, can that, be. that's a healthy thing at times. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being like, hey, I'm just going to go veg out per se. Right. No, nothing wrong with having a candy bar now and then, but a candy bar... It shouldn't necessarily be your full diet, and especially, uh, and that is true, especially for people who have an interest in creativity and arts and storytelling. It's good to try some of the more challenging stuff. I guess I should clarify, you know, sometimes there's challenging art that's not necessarily healthy art either. Yeah, I, I figured we'd get into that. I guess today then is largely about how do we eat our veggies. Yes, basically. And again, this sounds like force feeding ourselves stuff we don't want, but in real life, you've probably found that. When you eat your vegetables, then you start liking your vegetables. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely there's been times when I can uh, just kind of go with the the basic stuff. I mean, obviously, I have my standards yeah. for like I'm very in- – my junk food is probably healthier than what some other people consume on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean, I don't say that to brag. No, are we talking real food at this point or entertainment? <laughs> I'm getting confused with a metaphor. <laughs> I guess I mean more entertainment. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Like my junk food is things like – I'll admit, Kingdom Hearts to a yep. degree, cartoons, certain kinds of anime, video games. But most of it is relatively wholesome. Yes, yeah. I, and I'm 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 very selective. I'm not usually picking out for like the really raunchy stuff yeah. or the super sexualized stuff. But even some of these good fun things, oftentimes it has kind of a certain shallowness to them. Mm-hmm. It, like it was, it may be more meaningful for uh, younger viewers or something yeah. like that. But for an adult, you know, my age, sometimes I realize I'm kind of hankering for something a little deeper, a little bit more, something that has more truth in it. A little denser, maybe. A little even. denser, yeah. Something you you want that challenge occasionally. So, what do you think? I, I think we come up with various barriers, but what's one barrier that you've thought of? Well, one thing that I noticed in my own media consumption recently that struck me as interesting is that I actually have not been, I haven't really been following movies nearly as much as I used to. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, way back in the beginning of this podcast, I was at film school. Yeah. So I was much more hardcore into watching a lot of movies and, you know, challenging movies, artsy movies, European movies, all, all that kind of thing. And I realized in the last couple of years, I really have fallen back and not really had that much interest in it. In comparison, my like, if you look at my YouTube viewing habits, a lot of it is video game related because mm-hmm. I find even for like games that I haven't played, I find the discussion of video games and the history and all the different genres that are out yeah. there. 
I've just been finding that more getting more of my attention. And I think that I think part of that is I was feeling a certain level of pretentiousness or a little more intimidation in like, oh, I don't know these directors or I haven't watched the, you know this yeah. genre movie or I don't know this my European cinema that yeah. super well. Come on now, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. I think having gone to film school, suddenly there's like this expectation is like, why, why haven't you, why don't you know this stuff? So I guess then at least one thing you're saying is that the culture around some of the dancer stuff tends to be a little more snobby. A little bit, and again, and then if you're not that's if you're not all in, you feel like can I just tiptoe in or wade in, or do I have to commit to this entire thought process? Yes, I, I, and I will admit too, another part of this is probably much more personal in terms of like I kind of stepped away. I was doing videography for yeah. film school for a while, and then I stepped away from that because I was feeling really burnt out on it. And I think when I stepped away from videography, I probably also stepped away from film for a while. I was like, I'm just taking a break from yeah. all that. I'm going to go into the world realm of video games and the stuff that yep. is interesting me right now. So there's that's the more personal side of it. But I do think that there's this aspect of a lot of people doing game commentary stuff. And you're going to find some game communities where it is very... It's not that there's not pretentious among gamers, yeah. let's be no, clear. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're going to find some that, you know, that are get real like snotty about how to speed run certain things yeah. and like have very like emphatic arguments about which Kingdom Hearts game is the best for what combat reasons. And yeah. you can be pretentious and snobby about anything. Yeah. But there's also a, a better attitude, and I found this a lot about, among game commentators, I feel, because there's such a wide variety of games. And most of us growing up as kids, you had access to a very finite yeah. range of those things because, you know, what could you afford? Yeah. And now it's a lot of gamers are like interested in, in exploring the full spectrum of it. Yeah. It's almost like listening to like sports commentators for sports people, like the, the yeah. experts talk about all this stuff. And it's like, oh, trivia, yeah. facts, facts, cool stuff. <laughs> and you don't necessarily feel like just like you don't feel like you have to be a professional football player to watch a football game. You don't feel like you have to be a professional gamer to enjoy the game commentary. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So sorry, I'm kind of delving deep into that. But I think that's part of the barrier sometimes the. I don't know as much about this as I should, intimidation yeah. factor. Well, I think that's the same with books sometimes, that there's certain books that you just hear the name of, and you're like, oh, that's going to, the entry level into that's going to be too high. Mm -hmm. And it's not, always, it's not always that way, actually. I mean, like, a lot of people think Dickens seems old school, but, like, you get into it, and it's not. Oh, sure. You know, you know Dostoevsky's not as bad as their own things to get into. <laughs> um and also, like, if you came from an English background, you used to have to read, all, you know, in college, read all these, like, critics and stuff. And then after that, it just got, some people like me turns you off. Like, I don't care about, like, the level you're arguing at sucks all the enjoyment out of it. <laughs> They're arguing at a level that really only matters to that subset of so, people. Yeah, exactly. But you mentioned something that I think with the limited access to games and then now, you know, the wide range. I think some barrier, and this might be less for some people than others, is just because there's such a glut of art and movies and books and whatever, sometimes just having access to the what you want to watch is complicated. I mean, it's always been, but it seems like, especially with video stuff, it's, yeah, there's streaming systems. You got to have the right one, and some of them don't have yeah. older stuff, and then you got to go hunt down. And like, there's not DVD shops in the same way, and it can get a little funky. Like, I've always kind of thought about watching The Wire, just because. Mm. I don't know. I just know people think it's, like, this great TV show. Sure. But outside of buying it, I'm not really sure how to 
watch it. Yeah, I mean, it could be at your library because I, I, it's not. I, I did look the other day actually. Oh, I was curious because I know Kindleville Library does have still have TVs, it's seasons a lot of on DVD, them. And, and it's weird. Like at this point, TV shows on DVD almost feels like a retro thing. And some of them are new. I mean, they got the Crown. I mean, they got like new stuff. Uh-huh. And we still get all the like the new Masterpiece Theater stuff from there. Yeah, I mean, it is it is it's cool. It, yeah, I mean, that is one of the upsides and downsides of streaming services. Because you do get in that kind of almost cable channel clicking thing mindset of I'm not going to look for some for something in specific. I'm just going to see what's there. Exactly, as opposed to being like I want to cultivate. Look, I want to watch this particular. Just like, well, it's not here on Netflix. So I'll just watch this instead. Yeah, which I think is a shame because I think we've mentioned somewhere that I think there's something really to be said about taking the time to invest and seek out a certain piece of art. Because when you are looking for something, then you've invested something a little bit more than just, oh, this is what's available to me on a whim. You're not just basically filling time. You're actually, what's the word I'm looking for? Not distinctly, but you've purposely said, I'm going to watch this thing Mm -hmm. and think about it versus like, oh, I'm going to just, I got half an hour. What's on YouTube? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think think access can be part of it or... And sometimes accesses are, I mean, you can get most things somehow. Yeah. And I guess how you get them. Yeah. The thing is, with a lot of these barriers, they're probably less walls to break down as they are hurdles to jump over. Yeah. I mean, we tend to take the the road of least resistance, and it wouldn't even take that much effort. You just have to use a little forethought or a little, Mm -hmm. like, if you watch The Wire, you just have to go and, like, Spend 10 minutes and figure out which library has it. Yeah. You know. Which library has it or even which streaming service sure, has exactly. it. I mean, exactly. at this point, there's enough of them that might be on one of them. That's I don't, true. I don't even know who owns it. I don't know either. I don't even know if I'd like it, but I just, one of those names that keep throwing around. You know? And I do, and I've said this before, sometimes people say that, oh, now we're, with all these streaming services, is like cables back all over again. And to an extent, except streaming services are way easier to pick up and drop than yeah. cable contracts ever were. Yes. So you can, if, if you want, be more specific about what you what you watch that way. I guess another one I thought of relatedly is uh, just time. And w- yeah. there's a quote, um, or not quote, I guess, but something I remember talking to um, Brian Scherchel about way back when. But he loved movies. Film. Film. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, some of these longer ones that I had never watched. And I'm really bad about watching film. Unless someone shows me, and then I'm like, oh, this is great. Why did I not watch this? Uh-huh. But he said, like, people go and, like, binge watch a 12-hour show, a 12-hour TV show, but they won't put it in a three-hour movie. Yeah, I remember that. And it's just that idea of it is mentally makes it easier to justify 45 minutes, 45 minutes, 45 minutes than two and a half hours. Yeah, that's true, because you, you feel like there's an exit point. If I if I need to, I yeah. can take a break and stop. Which I, I'll agree. I mean, yeah, I'll... I think that way, partly just because I often don't have two and a half hours at a time to sit down and watch something. Mm-hmm. And not that I actually don't watch three, 45 minutes either. I mean, so I, <laughs> there's also the time of just a lot of great, dense art takes time. Yeah. Whether it's video, books, like it's going to take much longer to read a dense piece of literature than it's going to be to read a fun comic book. Mm-hmm. And both are worthy, but like if you want some of that things to think on, it just takes more. You're choosing not to do other things. Right. Um, like when I remember reading, um, what did we read for a book club ages ago? Descent into Hell. Oh, yeah. I think you're the only one who did that. It one. was. But it stuck with me a long time. It's a weird, dense book. I'm not sure I still understand. I just remember thinking, there's some really neat ideas here. Again, not one you just 
you just it was interesting. I also have fond, not fond memories, but distinct memories of reading it in my daughter's room as I'm waiting for her to fall asleep. Because <laughs> that was back when they were real young. And which daughter? Serena? Probably Serena at that point. Those Mercy would have been maybe it was Mercy. She would have been like two or something. So it was probably actually Mercy. Okay. okay. Yeah. Or it could have been well, they live in the same room. So. <laughs> well, okay. Fair enough. But we mentioned book club. I think the community aspect is one of these things I think it can help us overcome these barriers. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, book clubs are great for like, I have, I want to read more books, but I need something to motivate me to get it done or like someone that I can go and talk about the book with. And again, it's just that little thing of having someone else saying, I'm going to read it too, suddenly makes it much, it gets rid of a lot of the barrier. That's true. You're just like, well, he's reading it. I'll read it. And then it's more fun because we can talk about how much we like or to hate it, <laughs> depending on the book. Yeah, depending on the book. And so, yeah, they, that takes out some of the – or it gives you a reason, something, yeah. to, something to look forward to, to talk about. It's not just you in a vacuum mm-hmm. with this book or with a movie because I know there are, like, movies, clubs, and – Well, we had one for a while. We had one for a while, and – we might mention some tease a little something here at some point yeah, in this podcast, yeah. but about something else we have in mind for y'all. Um, but I've heard <laughs> on a, one of the Muppet podcasts that I follow, moving right along, one of their guests is a friend with one of the the main hosts, and apparently they have this live action Disney movie club just between the two of them, where they'll each watch a, an old live action Disney movie, which I kind of love that that's idea. Great. That's kind of great. It's like because there is a lot of old live action Disney movies. And that's such a very interesting, specific piece of pop culture to like compare notes on. Yeah. (laughs) But I guess that's not necessarily high art like we're talking about here. No, but it is. I mean, depending on how you approach it, maybe it gives you a different, some new information that you didn't have from whatever your regular is. Sure. I think that leads me to another one I thought of, which is just, and this one's kind of harder, is that if you're used to a certain style of either genre or videography or whatever, there is a hurdle of, oh, I'm, I'm entering, especially you're changing, you know, in books, it's a higher language or a movie like, oh, it's black and white. I mean, there are those sort of like mm-hmm. almost rework in your mind to be like, it doesn't work like I'm used to. Right. Yeah, yeah, that is a barrier. The, the foreignness. The foreignness, exactly. The, you mentioned some cinema examples there, but also books like just a weird way of using language and words and... And sometimes you can get in the mindset. I think Dickens is still pretty approachable. He he's very especially. I mean, um, Great Expectations. Great Expectations was very approachable. Yeah. yeah, but there's certainly first time I read a Russian novel. It's like, who are all these characters? You know, and it, again, it took a long, it took a while to kind of get your be it written from a different culture. I mean, foreign films are this way. Foreign books. There's mm-hmm. just a different way of. Looking at, you know, whenever you have to read, like, high school or college, um, things fall apart. Right. Just suddenly, like, wait, this is... Or opera, for example. Opera, yeah. You've got, like, a language barrier there, and it's one of these... Subtitles in general. Yeah, but, and it's, but it is probably one of these things that you kind of have to see a little bit easier, kind of like Shakespeare. Yeah. It's hard to fully grok Shakespeare, I feel like, until you think, yeah, I got thumbs up from Nick for, <laughs> for using grok. He's, uh, he's taught it to me well. It's a great I've, word. I've, You've the, now grokked the meaning. The, yeah, the imbibing understanding meaning, yes. of, of a thing. We are single-handedly trying to get all people to use the word grok. <laughs> But it's much easier to grok Shakespeare watching it. Well, I mean, it helps if you read it first and then watch it. It does. Kind of those things together really serve it well. And think about the benefits. In some ways, the benefits of trying something outside your comfort zone, whether it's Shakespeare or 
a foreign book or poetry, if not use a poetry, is that it also just expands your understanding of the breadth and width of art itself. I mean, whether it's something you like, I mean, you might read and be like, yeah, I'm not doing that one again. <laughs> you know, even everyone likes it, but at least then it's, it's the same reason people say, hey, you should go to Europe and run around for a while just so you know that America is not the only place. Sort of sure. Thing. Yeah. I mean, even if you only ever read, say, one Alexander Dumas story, then you'll be like, well, at least I know a little bit of what Dumas is like. Yeah, exactly. I guess, question, Tim, we're talking about breaking down these barriers. Why? Good question. <laughs> I mean, what if I just like my mysteries and just, you know, or my soaps or whatever? Well, again, I don't necessarily think that all people need the Renaissance man approach. Yes. Like we, we, we talked about this you in the entertainment You don't have to thing. be Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. You don't have to crock everything. Yeah. But if you don't try out some new things, you might be missing out on something that you don't think is going to connect with you, but actually does. That's true. So that's, I mean, you might be missing out on that thing. And I think it is also, like you said, good to have a, a wider understanding of the world. Especially as a creative. I mean, if you... We use that word loosely. But if you are making some sort of art purposely, it's good to just be exposed to, oh, that's an interesting thing I never really thought about doing. Mm-hmm. You can bring it in and, you know, it might be completely transformed. Sure. But but it will inform your own yeah. your own artwork in some way. I think we talked about this when there was an episode we talked about uh, forgetting stories. Yeah. Something that you read or watch, encounter, may seep in somewhere in, in part of your creative psyche and we'll find a way of expressing. You know, a lot of art is just recreation. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is totally fine. Artists borrow from each other all the time because they've been informed by each other. One thing we started with the idea of, you know, wanting the dance, the meat, the veggies, or whatever, mm-hmm. is that part of art is entertainment. But part of art also is truth. We're mm-hmm. trying to wrestle with truth or deep ideas or understanding humans better or God better or whatever. Yeah. And so being exposed to different views of that sometimes can sharpen, even if I think... Say, you know, I'm a Christian, but I read something that's completely not mm-hmm. in the right context. It might inform my Christianity better. That's true. You know, which is why, like, say, at Taylor, we read The Stranger, mm-hmm. which I reference all the time. Yeah. You know? It's true. It, it's become a touchstone. Anyone who went through that class knows The Stranger and Brave New World and Siddhartha. Siddhartha doesn't come up as much in our conversations. No, but... it, it didn't resonate in the same way. I mean, The Stranger, at least, was weird. <laughs> it it certainly encapsulated a a thought, an idea, an idea very well. Yeah, well, I mean, I I know there's some science fiction books I've read because science fiction tends to come from a very secular humanist point of view that has informed my, my thought process in an interesting way. Just oh, that's what they think, and that's true as far as it goes, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And there's just as a search for I don't like to say tr- search for truth, but there is already truth, but and re understanding a greater understanding of truth. I think there is benefit in reading great works of art from people who don't believe exactly the same thing. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think that we probably as Christians need to spend a little bit more time seeking out great Christian art. I agree with that, yeah. Something else Andrew Peterson wrote in his book, Adorning the Dark, was that Christian artists especially can get kind of snooty about Christian artists yeah. <laughs> about labeling things that were like, or saying like, I'm an artist who happens to be a Christian mm-hmm. because there's a bad reputation for it. But unless you start to think about, well, okay, what do you think about the works of Lewis, Tolkien? And he, uh, Almost anyone before <laughs> 1900. Yeah. <laughs> Bach. 
Yep, um, yep. There's a lot of great arts that's from like great composers and writers that we recognize as high literature. That who were informed by Christian worldview. Who were informed by Christian worldview. St. Augustine. Yep. Um, so I think sometimes we need to go back to those roots. Yes. When sometimes ingesting a lot of secular media, I start yearning for something that points me towards God. You know, I think that's true. I think part of the whole, you know, needing something dense, and I feel this way too, is that there's something missing from secular art that can't, you know, it might get this little bit or this repeat, but there's something that just, there's a depth or a, a center or a gravity or something that's just not in. And I, I think, think we ta- I think we talked about this last yeah. year, the God-shaped plot hole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think also related to that is a barrier to good art from Christian point of view that Sometimes we don't know where to find it, and a lot of modern mm. stuff. I'm not saying there isn't great Christian art, but we tend to not know about modern yeah. great art in yeah. the same way. I well, mean, we, I can you can always point to the old people, yeah, because the the classics have had so much more time for people to recognize it as yeah great work. Yeah, it is a shame. Since I I would like to find more of the the current stuff. I guess I I keep meaning to look more into the rabbit room. Yeah. Which is an online community. I think that's meant for this sort of thing. Although I know that there's also a lot of like songwriters in there, which is great. But like, I that's not our cup of tea. I mean, that's, that, not, that's not the thing that draws us no, most. I'm not writing songs, <laughs> right? And it, yeah, I think that's why sometimes, and I don't look at it as often enough. But World Magazine always has their book of the year, and a lot of times, sometimes they point out some really strong Christian art. It's not always necessarily Christian, but a lot of times it is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think we've pinpointed some of those barriers, and I think we've pinpointed some reasons why we should, or hurdles. Let's say hurdles. But I think it makes hurdles. better sense. Yeah, and ways we can uh, hopefully hop around them or hop over them. <laughs> hop around them. Well, that'll work, too. <laughs> I guess. It's like, oh, I guess I didn't even run on this track. I just go around. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think just an encouragement to ourselves and to you, dear listener, enjoy your, you know, just your fun fluff. I hate to say fluff. That makes it sound derogatory. But just your fun, you know, whatever you read, listen to, watch, et cetera. But also make an effort to pick that one or two things that are like, oh, wait, I always meant to do that. Or someone said this was really good, but it's 500 pages mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Hopefully we give you some ideas with our annual book club <laughs> discussions. Yes. Usually we have some good choices in there. Also, sometime this year you can be on the lookout. I won't tease us too much, but we have been talking about doing some more spinoff podcasts for y'all. The website had to come first, and now we can use it for something. That's right. And one of those ideas is kind of a movie discussion podcast where Nick and I will watch some movies that will be new for at least one of us. Yep. And uh, we'll we'll get to talk about it. It'll, it'll be a little different from what we do with the weekly hijack. It'll be where you a, get, a little more thoughtful than hijack. I mean, not that hijack's not thoughtful, but it's very off the cuff. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be your instant reactions. And this one, will we're uh, working to hopefully make it a little bit different. So we haven't really launched into that. We're in the planning stages for it. But stay tuned. Hopefully we have something that we can uh, give some cool uh, movie recommendations your way, too. All right. I guess uh, we'll move on to our first soundtrack. talking about barriers to art i was just thinking from video games sometimes there's games you want to play but they're old or you don't have the right system or you know like yeah i i can't access this thing because i only have a nintendo switch sort of uh-huh. thing and my, my well, i know you also have a super nintendo now. i do have a super nintendo which has access to a lot of them yes mm-hmm. but like i never played any sega games really the neo graphics 64 or whatever uh-huh. but 
half related to that, my son and I watched Dragon Quest Your Story. It's this movie on Netflix. Okay. We really liked it. But a lot of it's inspired by Dragon Quest Four. Is this an anime? Or? Well, it was a, it was a, like a computer generated, oh. computer graphic uh, movie. Okay, original Japanese. Okay, Netflix brought. Um, it's a lot of fun. The ending's interesting. We have mixed feelings on the ending, but it's just a lot of fun. Immediately after, we both desperately wanted to play more Dragon Quest. Okay, but it was just. It was just fun. It just made you like adventure. I hear Dragon Quest Eleven is like if you're looking for a modern game, that's like top notch. Well, and, and immediately after, uh, Theo downloaded the demo for Dragon Quest Eleven, ah. and at some point we'll end up with it. <laughs> but I happen to have Dragon Quest Nine on DS. Anyways, this movie was based a lot on Dragon Quest Four, which I guess people love and so on. But you can't really you can get it on the phone now. But f- for us, we're like. I was going to try to hunt down for like on the DS so we could play it, and it was like two hundred bucks because uh, that's just how it is now. Yeah, the the apparently the retro market has just exploded in the last several years because, like I said, people want to want to explore the the width and breadth of gaming, and they like to collect games. Yeah. So all the retro stuff is now like as expensive as when it originally came out, if not more. More. And few do want to play on the phone, but anyways. So I was thinking, I was in that mood or bears art, and so I found this remix from Dragon Warrior how we call it here in the United States, for The Grief of Actempto, remixed by Ryan 8-Bit. I hope you enjoy.
And welcome back. Now we're going to do something we haven't done for a few months, which is... Challenge accepted. Wait a minute. Didn't we skip a segment here, Nick? Oh, yes, we did. We skipped uh, Once Upon a Sentence. But we are moving it. Oh, we're kind of combining it. Yes. Our challenge accepted today, uh, we were talking about various art, so we have picked individually, Tim and I, various first and last lines from hopefully somewhat important novels. <laughs> novels that uh, we could find online. So like a lot of Project Gutenberg, I imagine yep. you're looking at. So like, yeah, these are probably hopefully considered good literature. Yes. Or at least I consider mine good literature. Um <laughs> And then at the end, we'll do one final one for you all, dear listeners. We'll give you a sentence and see if you can identify where, what book it comes from. Yes. And it may not be from the beginning or end. For yours. For yours. For yours. All right, Tim, shall I start? Yeah, go for it. All right. This one's a pretty famous line. If you know it, otherwise you're lost. So okay. here we go. Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Hmm. Okay. Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. This sounds like something Jane Austen would say. You know, it does sound like Jane Austen. It is not British. Ah, it's not British. It's not British. Oh, drat. Is it American? No. Hmm. Drat. No, I don't think I know this. It is Russian. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, that makes, that makes that sense. That helps. <laughs> um, is it Brothers Karamazov? It is not. Uh, the Idiot. Nope. It is Anna Karenina. Uh, the next one I probably should have gone for. <laughs> so it, I, if you know such things, it's a pretty famous line. It's beginning and then the unhappy family is the one we're talking about and get into all that. Okay. So, yes. All right. Well, here's my first uh, one for you, Nick. Time for me to fail. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where there was a den, and I laid me down in that place to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. Oh, oh, oh. I'm probably completely wrong. Wait. This is all one sentence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm probably mixing it with something else. It's not uh, Plato's Parable of a Cave, is it? No, no. Okay. I don't know why. I've never even read that. Read it to me one more time. Sure. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where there was a den, and I laid me down in that place to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed oh. a dream. Oh, is this Pilgrim's Progress? It is the Pilgrim's okay. Progress. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. It, By John Bunyan. Both ways, you were going, and the other one would have been nonfiction, so I don't know why you catch that one. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, the whole story is like it's a dream that he I had. I forgot it was a dream. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay, all right, what's your next one? Next all right, one? Uh, this one is, well, it's easy and hard. Okay. Leo de Grand, the king of Camelard, had one fair daughter and none other child, and she was the fairest of all flesh on earth, Guinevere, and in her his one delight. Okay, so I see what you mean right away. It's obviously some King Arthur story, but, yes. but whose version? I'll read one more time. Linograd, the king of Cameliard, had one fair daughter and none other child, and she was the fairest of all flesh on earth, Guinevere, and in her his one delight. Great. Now it's like, okay. There's only 20 versions here. So. <laughs> yeah. Is this from Ivanhoe? It is not Ivanhoe. Okay. Nope. That was just the first, like, okay, what's a what's a classic one that would be easily available online? I did find some things that were not overly old in various places, but this is older. Well, it's... Well, I'm guessing it's not the Once and Future King, because no, that's a more that would, recent Oh, that would, no. <laughs> <laughs> Least favorite King Arthur ever. Huh. I would, that, that book should have been way better. Yeah. It wasn't. Uh, you said that before. Yes. So my other clue is the way I break every... The way you what? The way I take a pause. 
So Leongrad, the king of Cameliard, had one fair daughter and none other child. And she was the fairest of all flesh on earth, Guinevere, and in her his one delight. Oh, wait a minute. Is this like a poem? Yes. Oh, okay. That's useful, but I still don't think I know it. <laughs> uh, okay, and I had to pick this one just because I love this book, The Idols of the King by Tennyson. Oh, you know, I was thinking like British poet that came to mind, but like I was like, I don't. Uh, so I, I fell in love with that in Brit Lit back in college. No, I've read it twice and now I think. I wish I've, I kind of wish I've read more Tennyson than I have. I know he's like one of the premier British writers. That's the only one I really remember, but it's a really good Arthur story, uh-huh. his version. Didn't um, Sinclair quote Tennyson several times on uh, Babylon 5? Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not with a bang but a whimper. I think that's Tennyson too. Mm-hmm. That famous mm-hmm. phrase. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So mine, mine are a little unfair, but there you go. <laughs> All right. Here's my next one. This is this will sound more, yeah, very setting the tone kind of thing, which a okay. lot of these first lines are. Yeah. In the year 1878, I took my degree of Doctor of Medicine of the University of London and proceeded to Netley to go through the course prescribed for surgeons in the army. Oh, sir. Oh, mm, uh, studying scarlet. Oh, good job. Nice. I knew it was Watson, or I thought it was Watson. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what would have been the first time he would have. Yeah, that's that's the first book. I don't so. know if I've read. Well, I think I have read Studying Scarlet, but it's been a long time. Good job. Yeah, I was like the, the surgeons in the army thing. I thought that's that's your clue for that's who the clue. character is talking. Okay, let, here, I'll give you a, one that hopefully will be a little easier. Okay. Okay. The creatures outside looked from pig to man and from man to pig and from pig to man again, but already it was impossible to say which was which. That sounds like Animal Farm. It is Animal Farm. Yay! Yay! I know my Orwell. Good well, well, sort of. It's, I, it's one of those, you, I know more by osmosis than actually reading it. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those that hopefully, if you know enough about what the story is, yeah. you can tell. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right. Yeah, I think for similar reasons, you should probably get this one, but we'll, okay. we'll, we'll see. see if I trip you up at all. We should be keeping points. But. Yeah, we should. Well, so far, I've gotten one, and you've gotten, I think you've gotten both of them so far. So, okay. So you're a lead. Did I get both of them? What was your first one? The Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, second, second, yeah, I did. Yeah, we're, we're counting, we're giving each okay. other multiple guesses here. When Margaret grows up, she will have a daughter, who is to be Peter's mother in turn, and thus it will go on, as long as children are gay and innocent and heartless. <laughs> I believe that is Peter Pan. Yeah, Jamie. I figured, like, he mentions Peter's name right yeah. in there, but yeah. it's like, I couldn't, like, when I read that, it's like, that's a nice line. That is a nice line. Nice closing line. See, I think I'm only winning because you picked nicer lines than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went with just things that came off the top of my head first, yeah. so that might be, but I'm not quite as deeply read as you. And honestly, the, well, I, the, the first line of that would have given away just as well, easily. yeah, yeah. The first line is, all children except one grow up. Well, that's obvious. Yes. Okay, here's one. So, okay, I guess we're, we both had three lines yes. so far, and so now you're at four. Th- three. Oh, oh, I'm question four, but yeah, I have three points, you have one point. Right, right, right. Yes. All right, this one, I'll try, it's a little older language. I dwell the longer upon this subject from the desire I have to make the society of an English Yahoo by any means not insupportable. And therefore I here entreat those who have any tincture of this absurd vice that they will not presume to come into my sight. I believe I know this one. Um, there is a clue in there. Gulliver's Travels. Yes, very good. <laughs> I almost said Gilligan's Island. I was like, wait, no, that's, that's not right. <laughs> well, I was hoping, but I'm like, I would have known that except the, the Yahoo thing. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. Yahoo is what, what, what helps. So me. if you know Gulliver's Travel, you're like, oh. Which I know from, did you ever see that miniseries that was on TV? Like back in like the 90s? Yeah, it was pretty Ted good. Danson? Yeah, yeah that's, that's what made that stick in my mind. Okay, nice. 
All right, so this is a bit of an older one. Um, not as many context clues, I don't think. So. Okay. Well, I have to just see if I know it from sheer memory. Exactly. The oldest hath borne most. We that are young shall never see so much, nor live so long. Whoa, I like it, but I don't recognize it. Read one more time. The oldest hath borne most. We that are young shall never see so much, nor live so long. Oh, man. And I know you've read this, but it's probably been a while. Huh. I mean, it has a sort of... I'm going to kick myself on here, but I don't know. Do you want to get... Do you have an, an idea? <sighs> Not enough one to guess anything. I will say this is it's probably written in, in meter of some sort. Oh, interesting. Wait, this first or last? It's a last. Okay, then maybe... That might help. No, I don't think... No, say I don't think it's right. Paradise Lost. No. Okay. I don't think that's quite right. It would have a different, more God-centered sort of... I mean, just because very explicitly. Mm. What is that? That is from King Lear oh, by William Shakespeare. Nice. Nice. King Lear is good. Yeah, it's been a long time. I'd like to read that one again. It was really good. I'm guessing you read that one in high school? No, that one I read with uh, in Britlet too. Oh, in Britlet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just know you've said that the Unremarkable Squire, Squire yeah. has a lot of King Lear influence. In That's it. it's true. Or King Rail baked into it. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do. I tricked you with one or stumped you. Yeah. Let's see. Um, okay, this is a different sort of book than we've been having. Okay. That would be my clue. First line. Far out in the uncharted backwaters of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. Ooh. Okay. All right. Let me hear it one more time. Far out in the uncharted backwaters of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. I'll say this as another hint. It's a lighter tone than a lot of the books we've been talking about. Okay. Well, science fiction, obviously, but mm. hmm. I'm not sure I would get this one, but it makes sense once you hear it. Would I know it? Is you think this is something I've read, or you just you mean know if, you, if you know the story, you would know it? Once you hear it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. That that's the beginning of this. Okay. Uh, you probably read it, or you know a lot of. It's a very well known. Science fiction. Huh. Again, like okay, said, well, is, that's the question. Is it a well known title or is it a well known story? Both. Okay, okay. At least in, in, in our circles, it would be. Hmm. I told you mine were evil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I, I was I, assuming I, it was like an Asimov or something no, that like, I would recognize. No, it's not Asimov. But... It's, it's, I have read it. There are several books. It's not Ender's Game, is it? It is not. Okay. That's not lighter tone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. There are several books of that, though. A little older Ender's Game. Okay. I'm guessing it's not a John Carter book. No. Dune? It is not Dune. Which is not really lighter either no, from what I understand. No, it is. I give up. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even the tone, once you realize that, you're like, yeah. This yeah, is okay. That makes that's That's annoying. It's kind of unfair, but. <laughs> All right. It's literature. Yeah, it, I guess so. <laughs> as far as humor novels go, it's literature. Yeah, I should. Okay. Yeah, I was stuck on the, the lighter thing. Yeah. Okay. All right, here's your next one. All right. It bore a device, a herald's wording of which might serve for a motto and brief description of our now concluded legend. So somber is it, and relieved only by one ever-glowing point of light, gloomier than the shadow. On a field, sable, the letter A, ghouls. 
And Ghouls is spelled G-U-L-E-S. So I'm not sure if I'm actually saying that hmm. right. It seems like another King Arthur thing, but maybe not. There's one clue in there. Yeah. Whether the A? No. Um, here we go one more time. It's Bora Device, a herald's wording of which, I guess I just mentioned this is the last line. Yeah, yeah, I figured it, yeah, from context it seemed like it. Yeah. It bore a device, a herald's wording of which might serve for a motto and brief description of our now concluded legend. So somber is it, and relieved only by one ever glowing point of lights gloomier than the shadow. On a field, sable, the letter A, ghouls. Oh, man, good line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Any guesses? I got. This is a, an American author. American author. Is it. So with that, you know, it's not super old, but no. it is. But you can maybe tell but, by the language. The language is trying to be kind of old-ish. It has a kind of legendese, old-schooly type of feel. I do not know. This is the Scarlet Letter. Really? By Nathaniel Hawthorne. That's the end of the Scarlet Letter, huh? Mm-hmm. I saw the A and I thought, but I'm like, it didn't. I should have just guessed it because yeah, she had the Scarlet A. Mm-hmm. Wow, the setup just. Between, between, the, between the word of the device and stuff, that is very Hawthorne the way he wrote it, though. Yeah. Do you ever read the Scarlet Letter? I've read it at least one. Yeah. yeah. I, I read I it back really in high school. Yeah. yeah. Certain scenes definitely stand out in memory. Yes. I, know, I could remember. There's a lot. I'm sure I don't remember. I, well, I, I've mentioned on the podcast, I've turned Dimmsdale into a verb. Uh-huh. He's the pastor who would like whip himself to make himself feel better for his sins. Uh-huh. So, like, whenever I'm just like purposely trying to make myself feel horrible about oh, myself, okay. I fear I, I'm Dimmsdaling myself. <laughs> I see. Okay. Here is, this is short story. Okay. Okay. Famous short story. Okay. In compliance with a request of a friend of mine who wrote me from the East, I called on good-natured, garrulous old Simon Wheeler and inquired after my friend's friend, Leonidas M. Smiley, as requested to do, and I here to append the result. Oh, man. I would tell you it's also American. That sounds familiar. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh, boy. The, I feel like this is one I'm going to kick myself if I don't get it. Oh, 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 oh. Is this, is this Mark Twain? <laughs> it is Mark Twain. Okay, I knew it. I don't know if I can say the, uh, get, the title. It's close. Yeah. It's like the the Leaping Frog something or yep, other. Yeah, the Jumping Frog Cavaliers County. Okay, Good nice. job, Tim. Wow, that's the smiley thing that like <laughs> rung a bell. It's like... I don't know how I know. Oh man, yeah, that's a deep pull. That that's good work. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah, I figured if you read it, you might possibly. Like, that is definitely high school literature. Yeah, well, I just taught that story. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm like nice. it was for middle school. And, yeah, it's a good middle school book. Yeah, well, story, and we read story. it largely just as exposure to. We did Mark a lot Twain. deep. Well, yeah, I mean it's a funny Mark Twain story. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. funny even if you're in middle school. Oh, nice. Okay, so, well, I, I can feel, I feel three proud of that then, one. I think. For, so, is that three? my third one? That's your third one. I think I'm still at three because I've not been doing well. So. Okay, so how many... Well, we'll finish this up and then we'll count Yeah, because I think you started the rounds here. Yeah, so. that's true. All right. Matrimony was ordained thirdly, said Jane Studdock to herself, for the mutual society help and comfort that the one oughts to have of the other. Oh, that sounds like Jane Austen. Um, it may not be. Give me the name again. It's Jane who? Studdock. Studdock. See, I only ever read Prime and Prejudice, so it might not be. I don't know if there's another Jane in the other ones. I'm pleased. So not, you didn't recognize the character right away. That, <laughs> that, uh, that helps. Yeah, it's either that or... See, I don't think there's matrimony as much. I know the other famous sort of book with... I've never read Little Women either, so I don't know if it has anything. But that's not... <laughs> this is tricky. Trixie. Yeah. But Jane's Prime and Prejudice. I don't think there's another famous Jane. 
Third is matrimony. Read re- one more time. Yeah. Matrimony was ordained, thirdly, said Jane Studdock to herself, for the mutual society, help, and comfort that the one oughts to have of the other. Oh, snap. It does seem very British at the very least. <laughs> Ugh, my winning streak is over. <laughs> Someone's listening right now and being like, how dare you not know this one? <laughs> I'm going to just true. throw a random guess. You know nothing about it. I'm just going to guess Northanger Abbey. <laughs> no. Okay. I have no idea. I'll give you a, a hint. Okay. This is not a romance book. This Interesting. Is actu- this is actually a science fiction book, nominally. Then I would guess it's that hideous strength. You are correct. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that science fiction helped a lot. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give myself a half a point. <laughs> Wow. The Hideous Strength by C.S. Lewis, which is a very different book and it's, starts differently than well, the other two. Well, once you did that, that's about the only science fiction book it could possibly be <laughs> after that. All right. Pretty much. All right. I'll just do this one just because you either know it or you don't. Okay. It was a pleasure to burn. Wow. First line. It's a first line. Fahrenheit 451. Exactly. Good All work. right. It's a pretty great first line for that book. Yeah. Very nice and succinct. It sounds like a 20th century kind of line. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think about it, as opposed to some of these other ones. And especially compared to this next first line, <laughs> this is, is going to be a long one, so hang Go in there. for it. Okay. It happened that among those worthies who were summoned unto London town by the mandate of the archbishop, as above recounted, there was a... As above recounted? Hmm, I guess there was a... Pr- Prologue. Prologue or something. Okay, I anyways. guess so. There was a certain knight, very honorable and of high estate, by name Sir Ector of Bonmason, surnamed the trustworthy knight because of the fidelity with which he kept the counsel of those who confided in him, and because he always performed unto all men, whether of high or low degree, that which he promised to undertake, without defalcation as to the same. So I apologize if maybe this is, I guess I didn't realize there was a preface or that the preface, I thought okay, the preface was more edgy. It's probably just on the top of my mind, but I still think it's King Arthur. Sir Hector seems like, but it's probably not. You are on the right track. I'll yeah, go but I'm trying to figure out. I don't think one, this one, is what one gave me King was so. This is what, what stumped me on the previous King Arthur one, because like I actually looked up a King Arthur one myself, but it's a different author. So it's like, well, it's yeah. not that. So who is it? Archbishop. So it's not. How many versions are there? I, I don't think it's once in future uh, king. I don't feel like it would, the language is quite that old, if I remember right, but maybe it was. If you get the author here, that's that's what I'll count for it because the the title is rather generic. Oh, really? But it it's not Limorte de Arthur, I don't believe, but that's older than that. I don't think there's church people running around by that point. I could be wrong on that. But you may not know. This might be more of a me thing than you think. Well, that's fine. Uh, my next one is that, too. So <laughs> I'll, I'll trade you one for one. Is it by... Oh, what is that guy's name? He wrote Robin Hood and the Merry Men. What's that old one? Yeah, you're. I think you're on the right that path guy. here. Yeah, yeah, that um, guy. What, what is... Oh, I should probably say his name, but I don't remember. It's... I was thinking that there's a Howard in there. Is there? Yeah, Howard there is. Pyle or something yep, like that? Yep, that's it. You got it. All right. That is the story of King Arthur and his knights by Howard Pyle. Nice. Wow. So, Not bad, actually. So, I, yeah, I love the his version of Robin Hood. He's my favorite Robin Hood author. Yeah. Not that I read a whole lot. I won't claim to be super wide read, but I love his Robin Hood. So, I know he's got the, a similar kind of tone with the King Arthur, his take on King Arthur. I think I read the Robin Hood ages ago, but I don't think I've read it's King Arthur one. Yeah, I don't know that I ever have either. So I looked at the Robin Hood first, but like the first and last, and both have, have Robin, Robin Hood in it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I was like, I can't do that. Okay, this one I'm going to need a little context for probably just because I'm not sure you've read it. 
Okay. But you have. And it's been talked about at some point here. Okay. Okay. There was once in the country of Aleph Bay, a sad city, the saddest of cities, a city so ruinously sad that had forgotten its name. Obviously, you got mm. the style there. Yeah. It's a, pretty, it's a relatively modern book. Okay. Uh, give it to me one more time. There was once in the country of Aleph Bay, a sad city, the saddest of cities, a city so ruinously sad that it had forgotten its name. Hmm. I might have to give you one more clue because having not read, I'm not sure I would get it outside of the fact that we have mentioned it. For some reason, Neil Gaiman first came to mind. I you know what? That's he... not a bad guess. It's not him. Okay. But that would be something he would write. Uh-huh. It is... Okay, big hint. Okay. It is associated with one of the shows that we have hijacked. Oh, really? I mean, like... Loosely? Loosely. Like, it's been referenced in some way in one of the shows. Oh, 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 oh. Is this, um, is this an Oz book? It is not an Oz book. It okay. does sound like Oz. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's like a little real good. I almost pulled Oz, but it had Dorothy both times. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not going. Am is I on the right track with Once Upon a Time? No. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of books in a lot of books referenced in other in Lost, for instance. Well, okay, okay. So it's a oh, hmm. uh, last last clue. Okay, I believe you the author has won a Pulitzer Prize. Okay, well that, no, that's that. Now I'm trying to think of fantasy books that were referenced in Lost. Because <laughs> it sounds it sounds fantasy ish to me. Yeah, it's very kind of it's it's kind of Oz Alice Wonderland ish. Yeah. No, I no, I, you've given me a lot of hints. Yeah, okay. I don't think I got it wasn't it. hard. It is Haroon in the Sea of Stories. Okay, I should. <laughs> that thought crossed my mind, just because I think I used it in a previous challenge, except that at some point oh, did and you, you and you recognized it. Okay, so it is a great book, by the way. So it's completely worth reading. All I, the only reference relevance to the loss is that Desmond was reading oh, yeah. it at some point. Well, and the giant uh, plug in the and the. See, yeah, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, nice. I know mine. I that was one of my unf- well, I got a couple unfair ones, but that was one okay. of them. Well, this one, to be to be fair, yeah. is also sort of unfair. <laughs> That's <laughs> fine, go for it. But this is probably more for our audience than maybe you because okay. I feel like it's possible people who have read it would know it. So, yes. anyway, but in spite of these deficiencies, the wishes, the hopes, the confidence, the predictions of the small band of true friends who witnessed the ceremony were fully answered in the perfect happiness of the union. That last line? That is a last line, yes. Is it? <laughs> 20 questions. <laughs> is it British? It is. Okay. Oh, I don't know. There's When it gets something like that, there's like just three books that always pop up that probably has nothing to do with any of them. <laughs> um, do you want to hear it again? Sure, why not? But in spite of these deficiencies, the wishes, the hopes, the confidence, the predictions of the small band of true friends who witnessed the ceremony were fully answered in the perfect happiness of the union. I got nothing. That is uh, Emma by Jane Austen. Okay. So yeah, it was yeah. like it sounds. It yeah, sounds is it like but like it's, it's Austin or something like that. But, but who knows? Yeah, there's not. Yeah, I know. I was. It was taking me a while to come up with stuff, so well, I just yeah. like, we'll go with that. Well, yeah, here's one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, sounds exciting. Okay. See, unfortunately, some of these I pulled from, like like you said, like memories I have of these books and things that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And maybe you've read the book, you'd get. Yeah. But actually, let me do this one that has a clue first. This will be better. Okay. I think even if you've read this, you might manage it. Okay. Okay. When the sea goes down, there will come from the mainland boats and men. And they will find ten dead bodies in an unsolved problem on Indian Island. Signed, Lawrence Wargrave. Okay, so I take it that's the end of the book. Of the book. Yep. 
right. Let me hear so there, there are, Yeah, there are some clues. Okay. When the sun sea goes down, there will come from the mainland boats and men, and they will find 10 dead bodies in an unsolved problem on Indian Island. Signed, Lawrence Wargrave. Yeah, there's names there that I... Uh, the names I wouldn't recognize. I think okay. what... Tended bodies, unsolved mystery would be my... Could it be Lord of the Flies? It is not. That's actually a really good guess. Okay. No, well, but I'm, I'm really great at coming up with good guesses, apparently. <laughs> not necessarily but the actual books. Mystery. Mystery. Okay. Mystery. Mystery is a big thing here. This is actually one of the few mysteries that I, re- I remember reading. And it's considered literature? Well, it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think as far as mystery goes, it would be pretty noticeable. Is it something by Agatha Christie? It is. Oh, it is? It is. I thought we'd go a little different. Uh, Death on the Nile? Nope. And then there were none. Oh, Tended okay. bodies, unsolved mysteries. Ah. Ten little Indians, none came back. Okay. That's kind of the way that... Okay. Yep. yep that makes yep. sense. Yep. We're getting to the weird ones, Tim. <laughs> yes. I'm actually going to switch up my order here a little bit because I figured it makes more sense to end with an ending line than... Uh, yep. So, and since I got two left to go. Uh, so we'll do uh, my last opening line, which, like yours, it starts a little funny because it starts as a letter. Yeah. So I don't know if this is a... A sentence technically. Nah, that we'll go, yeah. Yeah, we'll just use that. So, anyway, to Mrs. Sayville, England, St. Petersburg, December 11th, 17. You will rejoice to hear that no disaster has accompanied the commencement of an enterprise which you have regarded with such evil forebodings. Ooh, interesting. That is epistolary novel sounding. <laughs> and what would be an evil? There's only two epistolary novels that come to mind, but I'm not sure it's one of them. Um, bu- 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 bum. I'm going to guess it probably has, it's probably not remotely this, but I've not read it. Um, Dracula. No, but right genre. Frankenstein, then. Frankenstein. Ah, see, it was one of the, okay. You got me curious. I went back and looked at it. The first, there's like four letters that open it before, and then it goes into chapter one. Yeah, there's a lot of back and forth letters I remember from reading. Okay, I never Frank actually read Frankenstein, so I don't remember any, hardly any of it. But I did have to read it. Uh, okay, I would like. I think I'd probably really appreciate it even more now. I liked it then. Sure. But. All right, we're going into the last round, Nick. What are our scores? It's four to four and a half. I have four and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Did you count that last one? I did not. Should I count that last one? Yeah. And the whole one? Yeah, there's a whole one. Okay, fine. Five and a half. Because I know some of those you gave me hints for. I think. Well, I know, but I got uh, mine are not easy. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. These last two are just unfair. I'm sorry. Wait, last two? I thought we were on the last. Okay. Oh, yeah. I have two many. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to. You're right. Uh, the last one is one of those. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> last line. I'm not surprised you're winning in this because, like, you're, again, you're, I consider you more widely read than I am. Well, and I picked, again, it's one of those, like, if you know the book, you probably get, but if you don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. One bird said to Billy Pilgrim, Pute Wheat? Okay. The, the pute weed is actually a, a big recurring theme in this book. I, I'm impressed. Generally, you seem to have found more succinct openings or closings oh. than the ones I was finding. Okay, let me so hear it one more time. one bird said to Billy Pilgrim, pute weed? I only remember this line because when we read it, that pute weed comes all the time. We used to make fun of it. We thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but it's like it's throughout the book. It's this thematic thing. Okay. Man, there are a lot of clues in there, but I have <laughs> I have no let's, idea. Let's see, let's see if you had some clues. Um are there birds talking? No, it's just the sound of the bird. Um there are Oh, okay. Um pute wheat just the the sound the bird makes. 
Okay. Bill Pilgrim's obviously the main character. Okay. It has to do with war. Is this a Russian novel? It is not. It's an American novel. It's not the Red Bad Courage, is it? It is not. Okay. Major hint, maybe, maybe. I believe the author was born in Indiana. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, let me think. And I'll have another clue that will mess you all up. Okay. Or make it work. So, deals with the war. Author, American, I believe, Indiana, either born or lived. And also involves aliens and time travel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that is... But it's an anti-war novel. It's a what? Anti-war novel. Oh, anti-war novel. Aliens and time travel. Wow, that took a well, left turn. unstuckness in time. To say that. that. I think that's a phrase from the book, unstuck in time. Are you sure this is a, something I would have heard of? Maybe. Okay, well... I watched a play of it one time and read the book. It's a pretty famous modern sci-fi anti-war book thing. <laughs> if I say you remember me referencing it, mm-hmm. I want to reread it, but... It's not Ender's Game, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, Billy Pilgrim? Billy Pilgrim. Okay, this I think this is one you either know it or you don't. I don't think I do. All right, Slaughterhouse Five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do recognize the title. Yeah, okay. Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, I didn't know he was from Indiana. I believe he is. Huh, I had never heard that. What was it I heard recently? Oh, some reaction show on YouTube I watch periodically they were referencing it they were like they're going through lost mm-hmm. and they referenced it because i guess lost does but okay that makes sense well, well he's also yeah Von, Von gets on yeah he is referenced yeah, yeah, yeah. well uh he was born and raised in indianapolis oh okay interesting all right well i was i do think i was a lot nicer to you you were you were <laughs> yeah, yeah i but know the, the, the pute wheat like i've remembered for th- 20 plus years so <laughs> I'm fairly certain you'll get this last one. Okay. But it seems like a nice closing uh, line. When the long winter nights come on and the wolves follow their meat into the lower valleys, he may be seen running at the head of the pack through the pale moonlights or glimmering borealis, leaping gigantic above his fellows, his great throat a bellow as he sings a song of the younger world, which is the song of the pack. I want to say, I don't remember exactly, but it sounds very much like Call of the Wild. It is the call of the wild. Nice. Yep. I knew you would get it because you you I taught, taught it that recently. last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just I was blind coming up. No, with well, stuff, so as you can see, I picked weird. I was just thinking, what's on my shelf that's famous? <laughs> but my shelf has weird stuff on it. <laughs> <laughs> back at home. So yeah, cool. back home. All right. Yeah, so, not here in the in this in area, the, on, area. on the on these mountains. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right. So hopefully some of you recognize some of those. Yeah. Um, hope you hope you listeners enjoyed that. Maybe game, you man. got better than five points. Maybe they did have twenty choice or chances. six points. You wound up with six points. So congratulations. Did I? You got the last. Oh, one. Oh, I did get the last one. That's true. That's true. And if nothing else, maybe that inspired you to go check out some of these titles. Yes, exactly. But Nick, they also want their own chance to play Once Upon Ascendance. Okay, so we've been a little unfair here, and we may still be unfair. But this is from a book. There's an idea in this book that has stuck with me forever. And this is not from the beginning or the end. This is from... Somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. I apologize. It's There's no one line that gets the whole idea, but I just picked a line that resonates with you. With so again, this is probably unfair, guys. But I wanted, I wanted to do something. Oh, I guess I should mention... Before we launch into this, oh, yeah. our new one, the last line that we had from last week, last month's episode, uh, was from 
Treasure Island. Treasure Island. And we had Katie once again. She's part of our creatives small group. She asks, is Robert Louis Stevenson Treasure Island? Says, yep, yep, yep. She knows me. I've talked about Treasure Island on here before. So not a big surprise. But this will be a little bit uh, more obscure. This, this will, yes. I guess they can guess knowing what I What you pick. read? Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, here we go. And if in the name of heavenly bread... Thousands and tens of thousands will follow you. What will become of the millions and tens of thousands of millions of creatures who will not be strong enough to forgo earthly bread for the sake of the heavenly? One more time. Okay. And if in the name of heavenly bread, thousands and tens of thousands will follow you, what will become of the millions and tens of thousands of millions of creatures who will not be strong enough to forgo earthly bread for the sake of the heavenly? You know, even though I haven't read this book myself... I think I have read the section this comes from. Yes. So it's, it's entirely possible that uh, someone might get this. So good, good. I, I, that, was, that was my hope. This is a very famous section. Yeah, I recognize that section. Nice. Good. All right. I guess with that, Tim, uh, tell us about your soundtrack before we keep walking on this road. Sure. Well, before we do that, I want to mention real quick that uh, we do have our website out. Yes, please check it out. Please explore. You can, It's so much easier. Even I go there and be like, when was the last time we did this? And look around. It's so much easier to search things. It's and- like having a wiki for our own podcast. Almost. But yeah, you can search for like, when was the last time we did this po- this thing? If you look right now, the one thing that bugs me is the search bar doesn't work quite like I would like. Yeah. Like if you type something in it, but don't hit enter, it should bring up, if we've tagged it somewhere, it should bring up an episode. Like, say, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. We talked about Sherlock Holmes at some point. If I tagged it, if you just type it in, it should bring it up. But if you if you hit enter, it will say there are no results for that. Which makes no sense. I don't know why it does that. Yeah. So that's, the, so that's one of those bugs. But anyway, check out derailedtrainsofthought.com. And so that's a great... It's so weird course. to say. Yeah, I know. It's just derailedtrainsofthought.com. That's nice. I like it. Yeah, it rings, there you go. It flows off the tongue better. <laughs> And of course, there's also all our weekly hijack episodes are there. We ordered by season now. Ordered by season. So if if you just want to hear us talk about the constant, it's a lot easier to find than scrolling through the podcast feed. Yes, episode of, of Lost. In case for those of you who don't know, so we've got full reactions to Babylon Five and Lost on there, as well as partial ones for Once Upon a Time and Doctor Who. Yes, with a few other miscellaneous stuff. So go check that out. And also, you can always email us derailedtrains at gmail.com. And you can always leave a comment on the new website as well. Indeed. Um, And we are on Twitter and Facebook as well. Technically. Technically. (laughs) (laughs) So feel free to follow us and wish that we posted there more often. Yes. Anyway, as far as my soundtrack goes, I was looking, browsing through OC Remix, looking for some classical music, because I felt like classical music represents high arts that we've been talking about here today. And I came across this one, this remix from Wild Arms. It is simply called A Symphonic Tale. And this was arranged by Paul Levasseur and performed by the University of Manitoba Symphony Orchestra. Mm, Very nice. Yes. So I think something about universities, you know, that seems like a place where we're learning, specifically seeking out knowledge and education. And being exposed to those sorts of things we never would have thought to try. Yeah. And I thought this was just a beautiful remix. So it's a live recording that actually took place when the orchestra played it at a concert. You can hear like some audience noise here and there. Nice. So um, I hope you enjoy it. All right, well, let's just keep moving on. Um, I'm sure nothing will try to stop us from getting to that that city over there. Yeah, I think it should be smooth sailing. That's what the Christian life is all about, exactly. right? Exactly, yep. Nothing ever goes wrong. No, nothing. All right. Heavy Anyways. sarcasm here. <laughs> Heavy sarcasm here. <laughs> Adios, everyone. This has been Nick. <laughs> and this is Tim. Bye. Bye-bye.